So what do people in the world of Instagram and other social media for that matter, what do they know about farming? Hmm. Probably already have a sense of what that answer might be. <laughs> but an interesting case study unfolding, really as we speak, on Instagram uh, with a particular situation relating to a, a controversial, difficult issue here in Washington State and in farming right now. Um, and it all started, and welcome back. By the way, this is The Farming Show. I'm Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI, 790 96.5 FM in Bellingham. Uh, every Saturday morning here, we talk about farming issues during the 7 o'clock hour. So we're glad you're here. And a little bit of the backstory. I, I work for Wycom Family Farmers as well as Save Family Farming. I host the Real Food, Real People podcast. So I was out in El Topio, Washington. When is this? Several weeks ago? Two months ago almost maybe? Visiting with Alan Schreiber, we uh, did a Real Food, Real People podcast episode with him. But while we were talking, he said, look, I, I just had this situation with cantaloupe. He grows 300 different things out there in Eltopia. A, a smaller family farm that grows all kinds of veggies for different levels of market. Um, some more widely distributed, some are farmer's market kind of stuff. Fascinating story. You should check out the episode at Real Food, Real People on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, realfoodrealpeople.org, on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Check it out to, to hear the whole interview. But he was telling me about his cantaloupes. He had a field of cantaloupes that he had to leave unpicked because of the situation with overtime in our state. We've been talking about this, and we've been talking a lot about the impact that this has had on farm workers, but this is also the impact on farms and food waste, ultimately. Alan is going to join us here in just a second, but first, before we get into that, I, I want you to listen to the clip. This is Alan standing in his cantaloupe field. I think it's out somewhere between Basin City and Altopia. Take a listen to him explain just quickly what's happening here as he picks up a piece of perfectly good cantaloupe melon from the ground, carves it up with his knife, um, tries a bite of it, and explains why he had to leave all of these wonderful cantaloupe to rot. Take a listen to this. Okay, so why is this field so sitting here like this? This portion of the field... Uh, didn't get completely picked and we didn't have enough farm workers because we're short on farm labor and when things got busy it forced us into having to pay overtime so people working over 55 hours all my workers want to work at least 60 hours but I can't afford to pay overtime uh, so what happened was it, the labor costs jumped up by 50% when I had to pay overtime and so we grow a number of crops and this is the lowest value crop that we had and so we had to stop picking this one and just we can only afford to pick the ones that were of the highest value and so I estimate we left 3,000 boxes in here so that's maybe $57,000 worth of cantaloupe that was perfectly good to perfectly good to eat but we had to leave it talk about food waste too bad. I mean, that, you worked hard to grow this field. Well, I have all my input costs into this, and I had to walk away from it because I couldn't afford to, to pick it because we didn't have enough workers and we can't afford overtime. 
Okay, so there it was. That's me armed only with my cell phone out in a cantaloupe field in Altopia, Washington with Alan Schreiber, who joins us on the phone right now. And by the way, uh, for folks who don't know about Alan, you can check out his full story at uh, the Real Food, Real People podcast. He grows all kinds of veggies, 300 different things uh, near Altopia, Washington, as well as leads the uh, State Blueberry Commission. Uh, He's involved with the Asparagus Commission. He has his own research research firm, has a huge background in a lot of things, too much to list here. Alan, welcome to the program this morning. It's fascinating to see, and I don't know if you've looked at the comments, as I've shared this video clip that I just played here on the show, and if people want to see it, it's on Save Family Farming on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, it's fascinating to see how people are reacting to this. They just can't compute how you had to make this decision. Explain for people, you've thought this through. It's not like you didn't consider any of the options. Am I right? Yes. Um, we're, we're picking, um, at that time, we were picking, you know, 20 different uh, items of produce. Um, we're getting so many dollars a box. It just so happens that cantaloupe was at $19 a box, and everything else was up in the in the 20s. And so roughly somewhere between a third to a half of my labor costs, I mean, a third to half of my production costs is, is labor. When all of a sudden my biggest cost doubles, uh, it makes, it, it basically wipes out the profit margin. So and, and now nice some to- people, just to put a finer point on that real quick, some people have said, well, it, overtime doesn't double his labor costs. It's only for any hours over um, this year, 55 hours. Next year, of course, it's 48. The year after that, it's 40. Um, they're saying, well, that doesn't double your labor costs. But f- if you end up in the situation like you did this time where the entire field would have to be picked on overtime hours, it absolutely does increase the labor cost by 50%. Okay, so if you look at, um, so so they're, they're right, it th- that that is is correct up into a point um so if you work you know basically what happens is if you work um on our hours and and by the way our farm workers set the hours we don't tell them what time to show up they they pick their their time we just tell them how many hours they can work and so basically what happens they start working you know maybe at six o'clock on monday morning but by the time they hit 55 hours, you know, sometime on Saturday, we normally would work a full day on Saturday, but we quit early. It is that time, uh, like on Saturday afternoon, there's going to be five or six hours that we go into overtime. And so what we, so there's a time that there's a portion of the week that we get forced into overtime. And, uh, so we, we don't have enough workers and we can't afford that, that overtime. So there's five or six hours in a week that we, we don't work that we could have worked previously. And so I have to pick and choose, uh, what I can afford to pick and you leave the lowest value crop in the field. And that, in that case is cantaloupe and it's 3000 to think about this, it's 3000 boxes of, and they're 35, 35, uh, pounds. So it's a little over, a little over a hundred thousand. Is that my, is my math right? Anyway, we'll figure it out. But 3000 times 35 yeah. pounds is how many pounds yeah. are left in the field. Well, and a lot of people, I mean, regardless of the numbers, a lot, it's incredible to me, this phenomenon on social media. And by the way, this is The Farming Show. I'm Dylan Honkoop with Save Family Farming, talking with Alan Schreiber right now. Uh, He is a fruit and vegetable farmer out in Altopia, Washington, uh, among many other hats that he also wears. Um, 
it's fascinating to me. People, these armchair quarterbacks on social media start commenting. And, you know, I think for many of them, it maybe does come from a good place. They want to find a solution. And they're bothered by the situation, as they should be. This is food waste. This isn't... a. a this isn't right. There needs to be a better way. But a lot of them are th- thinking, well, here, you know, they're doing simple math of, well, your cost should be this or that, or they're mind reading saying, well, you just don't care about your workers and don't want to pay overtime. Never mind that you said you'd actually lose money. If you keep losing money, you go out of business. Nobody has a job then. Um, but one of the big issues, and we can get into some of the, the critiques or questions or ideas that people have, because I, I think this is a worthy conversation to have, even if some of the comments are kind of ridiculous. A lot of them are ridiculous. But Alan, first, one of the big things is, well, you should allow gleaners into the field or people, uh, you know, advertise it to the general public to have them come out and harvest this. And either you can make money from them or you can donate it to them so at least it's not wasted or gleaners can give it to the homeless or whatever. Respond to that. This is a big part of farming that most people do not understand right now. All of the layers of challenges to ever even doing something like that. Well, okay. So this was, in this case, this was a 32-acre field that had two plantings in it. So there's an earlier planting and a late planting. And there are eight varieties in each planting. So there's like 16 different items in this field. And so it was, it was, a, it was a section in the first planting. And um, first of all, if you go out in the field, you have to walk in a certain spot in a row. Uh, you don't want to walk up on the hill. You don't want to step on the uh, lay flat. Uh, you have to walk in a certain situation. Um, and in general, what we've found is if anyone goes in here, they end up will rip up and destroy the field. They'll walk, pick the wrong things. And the second issue is uh, if we have people go in the field, for the most part, that's going to be a big food safety violation. We have to watch to make sure they wash their wash their hands. We have to give them food safety training. We have to give them sa- other kind of safety trainings. There's a lot of rules in there, and all this would take uh, a lot of time and effort at a time when we are flat out running busy and we don't have time to do this. Now, we it have- would take more time to administer all of that than it would even to just go in and harvest, which you're saying you didn't have the time for. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing is is this. So there's a there's a there's a folks around here called Field of Grace that are gleaners. Mm-hmm. Now those guys are professionals and and they're trained. Um, but right now they're they are not gleaning. There are no uh, there are no gleaners in this area. We've had Fields of Grace come out and do some gleaning, but to have gleaners come, they've got to be trained in like I'll say with air quotes professionals like Fields Fields of Grace. Um, but they they. There are now no gleaners in my area to mm. do that. Mm. Well, and that's something that per- perhaps could be addressed. But even, you know, for gleaners, you're talking, uh, what are we estimating, something like 25,000 melons that you had to leave? How no, is, no, uh, no, it would be, um, well, no, you're right. It's, um, at 10, you're right, Twenty five to 30,000. I mean, they'd have to, I mean, they got to come out. They got to have pallets and they have to have a forklift. And, you know, they have yep. to, you know, they've got it. They have to have trailers. Uh, it's it's a pretty serious logistical. I mean, they're going to have to have 
trucks and trucks to haul us out. Yeah, and you'd have to probably then, I would imagine, document a cold chain, uh, for, and then where are you going to store it before you distribute well, that many melons to people to make sure they're safe, all that. Well, the, there, there, I, I think there is the back end of it. There's second harvest. We Last year, uh, we, uh, we delivered you know, well over 100,000 pounds of second harvest. So we, we do that when we can and when it makes financial sense. But we're in a situation where, you know, these melons, when we made the decision to not pick those melons, they had a three-day window to get them picked. And I doubt that, you know, we don't have the time. I mean, in a perfect world, it, I would love to have those gleaned. I'd love to have those go to people that need food to eat. But it's just not logistically possible to, and it also, it'll be a nightmare if untrained people come in and, and do this. And I know people have good intentions, and it just seems like a travesty, and they're trying to make this jump about how to make it work. But trust me, yeah, no one is better at getting those melons out of the field than I am. No one would be better thinking about plan B or plan C. And I'm telling you, plan B and plan C was not an option in this case. But it wasn't that you hadn't thought that through. And that, that's the basic assumption that really rubs me the wrong way, to think that these armchair quarterbacks on social media really think that, what, do, do they think you're stupid, that you didn't think all of that no, through? Of course you no, thought that through. No, what I think is these are people with good intention. They're not malevolent people. It probably pains them to think about all this perfectly good food. And one of the things I noticed was when you were playing that back, I could hear myself eating that cantaloupe as I was talking. I have a mouthful of that cantaloupe. It was a little <laughs> embarrassing in retrospect. But these are folks with good intention that hate the idea of this food going to waste. And they're what eloquently or not ineloquently are saying, what about this? What about this? What about that? And I'm telling you, we thought about it. And there's nobody that is sicker about this than me. I saw that every morning, every afternoon for the rest of the season, those melons out there that could have been picked but wasn't. But I'm telling you, if we would have had a, a if we would have a better guest worker policy in this country, which we don't, or if we didn't have overtime, all those melons would have been picked and somebody would have ate them, every single one of them. Absolutely. Again, we're talking with Alan Schreiber. He is a fruit and veggie farmer out in Eltopia, Washington. He also helps lead the uh, Washington State Blueberry Commission, uh, the Asparagus Commission. Uh, he has his own research firm out there. He does a lot of different stuff. Um, has a PhD for crying out loud. Uh, this is no slouch that we're, we're dealing with here that we're talking about in this video that we share. And by the way, if you want to see what we're talking about, we shared this video. It's been a couple of weeks now and this video just keeps growing. People keep commenting even, you know, this morning more, we're over 50,000 plays the last time I checked. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. So I didn't even know this morning, how many comment, you know, hundreds of comments. It's it's frustrating, but it's a good thing for the robber to meet the road here, for people to start looking at the reality, because a lot of people have pie-in-the-sky ideas, and that's great, but the reality is so much more complicated, and this story, and you sharing that uh, from your farm, standing in that field, has created a moment here where people can actually grapple with the reality a little bit and realize that the solutions aren't maybe as easy as they think, 
which I think we've got to get to is to get beyond the, you know, the soundbite social media uh, comment culture that just thinks, oh, this is easy. You know, those those farmers should just do this or do that. Okay, uh, there's more to it. One thing that you didn't mention or that we didn't talk about even with, with the idea of people coming out, whether it's gleaners, uh, whether it's you pickers or whoever, the public coming out to the field. Uh, another issue uh, is liability, too. A lot of people don't think about the, the liability element. You know, if someone were to get hurt or anything like that, if you're not set up for agritourism, which is a whole expensive investment unto itself, there's that whole issue. Um, I mean, well, the list I'll, I'll goes you, on. Well, I'll, I'll tell you that my, um, my umbrella insurance policy is not set up for um, being a U-pick. Yeah. And how expensive would that policy be if you did? It would be probably more expensive than anything you would make off of that fruit in in a situation like this, potentially, unless you were to entirely change your operation to focus on agritourism, which is a different game. So, and, and if you were sued, even if you were in the right, even if you prevailed in court, you would still probably lose money having to defend yourself, plus the possible bad press, plus the, the loss of reputation, uh, you know, the damaged reputation unfairly, but, and that could lose customers. I mean, it, people need to think about all the things that could happen and the risks that just don't make that worth it. Another thing that I want to throw at you, though, Alan, is some people are saying, ah, this guy's just looking for a write-off. Um, he didn't, he wasn't able to get as much as he wanted. He didn't want to pay his workers that much. So instead of doing what they say is quote unquote, the right thing, he just was, is going to take a write off here. Ex respond to that. There's no way I can write that off. That, that, that is just a pure, a pure loss for me. I mean, whoever says that it's, it's a silly, it's, it's, it's not a write off. It's, it's, it is purely an economic loss for me. And how so, would you write it? I mean, if I recall, you know, you're talking to me about your farm operation. It's like you don't know in the in the thick of it whether you're even going to make or lose money in a given year. I mean, I remember that growing up. It was the same way in my dad's berry farm. It's like, I, we don't know this year. And sadly, it was too many years. Um, we don't know this year for if there's going to be a profit or a loss at the end right. of the year. If you have a loss or even if you break even, you can't write anything off, even if it was possible, because there's nothing to write off. <laughs> uh, that is, I mean, that's that's true. I mean, th that field is, uh, you know, that field's gone. It's not, it's not, uh, we've taken it out uh, at this point, but, you know, we're still, um, we're, we, you know, we don't yet, yet know if we're going to be in the black or in the red this year. And uh, th this is not something that is a, a write-off. On the bottom line here, again, back to where we started, talking with Alan Schreiber, a fruit and vegetable farmer, grows over 300 different things out near Eltopia, Washington, and I featured him on the Real Food, Real People podcast. Um, following up on this video, the social media post on Instagram and Facebook that everyone's commenting on has kind of sort of gone viral. Um, the bottom line is we were talking about overtime and the issue that our state's new overtime laws don't allow any flexibility for seasonality. And even though you probably don't have any work for folks for months in the winter and they want to make as much money as they can when you do have work for them in the summer, the new restrictions say, well, you can only do so much and then your costs go up by 50%. It doesn't help the workers because they aren't able to make as much money as they can, uh, as they want to when the work is there. And it 
puts you in a position like this where you have to make hard decisions on what you keep. And this is this is what needs to change and what's been so tone deaf uh, in, in Olympia. I will tell you the phone call that I made before this one was to a labor contractor because I have to. In order to be viable, I'm going to have to reduce the hours of my workers next year because, look, when when we have to go into time and a half, I'm not getting paid more for that fruit. I mean, my right. the, sing, the single biggest cost I have is labor by far. It's often as much as all my other costs combined. And when that goes up by 50%, all of a sudden at the, like the end of the week, the amount I get paid for that produce stays the same. And so... We're being forced to reduce the hours, which means reduce the income of our workers. And for the first time, I the call just before you, this is a coincidence, was to a labor contractor to see if I can bring in some more workers so I can keep my average hours per worker to 48 hours. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. be- before time and a half came, they got 60. Last year, we tried to hold to 55. Now we got to push it back to 48. Nobody is happy with this. Our farm workers aren't happy with it. I'm not happy with it. And now I'm having to bring in some temporary labor to cover that additional time. It's crazy. Alan, thank, we're out of time. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you for being willing to share this story and um, show the world kind of that there's a lot more to a situation like this than initially meets the eye. We really appreciate it. Best of luck to you and uh, stay in touch. All right. Thank you.